This is episode number 323 with top-rated freelance data scientist, Wesley Angers. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. This episode is brought to you by Super Data Science, our online membership platform for learning data science at any level. We've got over two and a half thousand video tutorials, over 200 hours of content, and 30 plus courses with new courses being added on average once per month. And you can get access to all this today just by becoming a Super Data Science member. There is no strings attached. You just need to go to superdatascience.com and sign up there, cancel at any time. In addition, with your membership, you get access to any new courses that we release, plus all the bonuses associated with them. And of course, there are many additional features that are in place or are being put in place as we speak such as the Slack channel for members where you can already today connect with other data scientists all over the world or in your location and discuss different topics such as artificial intelligence, machine learning, data science, visualization, and more, or just hang out in the pizza room and have random chats with fellow data scientists. Also, another feature of the Super Data Science platform is the office hours where every week we invite valuable guests in the space of data science and interrogate them about their techniques, about their methodologies in the space of data science. And you actually get a presentation from the guest and you get an opportunity to ask Q&A at the end. And in some of our office hours, we just present some of the most valuable techniques that our hosts think are going to be valuable to you. So all of that and more you get as part of your membership at Super Data Science. So don't hold off, sign up today at www.superdatascience.com. Secure your membership and take your data science skills to the next level. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Super pumped to have you back on the show because today I've got a very special guest, a very special surprise for you. Wesley Angers is a top-rated data scientist on the world's biggest marketplace for freelancing, which is Upwork. So if you haven't heard of Upwork before, it is indeed the largest online marketplace for freelancers. Uh, just some stats. So it has uh, about approximately 3 million jobs are posted on Upwork annually, and their total value is about $1 billion, $1 billion with a B. And that is a huge amount. Uh, as of 2017, Upwork had 14 million users in 180 countries. And as uh, you can imagine, that has uh, most likely grown very substantially since 2017. So uh, Wesley is one of the top rated data scientists on Upwork. And he was actually featured on the Upwork homepage uh, a few uh, weeks ago. Maybe you can still find him there. Uh, and that's how I found out about him. Like I saw, I went on Upwork. That's where we hired quite a few freelancers for uh, super data science and I uh, saw his profile there and I saw that he's a data scientist and I had to I knew that moment I had to bring him on the podcast to share with 
you, our amazing audience, the benefits, the pros and cons, the tips and hacks about freelancing and data science. So if you've ever wondered about it, now you will be able to make an informed decision whether freelance data science, uh, a freelance a career in freelance data science is the right career for you or not. So here are some of the topics that you will learn about on this podcast. So first of all, we talked about freelancing as a data scientist and how Wesley got into this space in the first place. Then uh, we talked about how you can get started if you want to dive into freelance data sciencing yourself. Uh, we talked about things like when to increase your rate, good clients versus bad clients, how to delight your clients and keep them happy, how to think about their needs. We talked about the tools that Wesley uses. He's an avid R user, so you'll learn a bit of things uh, in that space here as well. Uh, we talked about some sample projects, some very exciting sample projects from a diverse range of fields, ranging from medical uh, projects in the medical space to projects in the uh, oil and gas industry and so on. Uh, we also talked about freelancing versus full-time work and how to choose a career in one or the other or how to combine both. Um, and at the, at the very end, so if you're really serious about getting into freelancing, especially about Upwork, make sure to listen to the end because we gave two tips, one tip each about getting into the space and those are make it or break it tips. You don't wanna miss out on those. So those are just some of the topics that we touched on. This is the podcast where you can learn a lot about freelance data science work. So if that's a space you are interested in or you've ever considered, then off we go. Without further ado, I bring to you expert and top rated freelance data scientist, Wesley Angers. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Super excited to have you on the show. Today, we've got a very special guest, Wesley Anger is calling in from San Jose, California. Wesley, how are you going today? Good. How are you doing? Amazing. Doing amazing. Uh, I'm in Brisbane, Australia. And I was actually, as I mentioned too, like talking to someone else from California, from LA, and looks like you guys are having some uh, cold weather and rains this these past couple of days. Yeah, you know, I think it's really getting into the winter uh, season here. For us, that means rain. Mm. No, at least it's not snow, right? Yeah, exactly. You have to go up to uh, the mountains or Tahoe for that. Yeah. I think if it snowed in California, there'd be so many traffic jams. Oh, you know, like even if when we get this, you know, little amount of rain, uh, just, you know, the traffic around here in Silicon Valley is already pretty bad, but you just get a little bit of water and then nobody knows how to drive anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, in like winter countries, I, like, I know that they change tires and <laughs> people will be <laughs> totally not prepared for changing tires there. Oh, crazy. Have you always been, uh, from, uh, San Jose? Have you lived there all your life? Uh, no, you know, I, I've been here uh since college uh before that uh i actually grew up in uh, ann arbor michigan in the midwest of the united mm -hmm. states uh mm -hmm. very very nice out there as well weather's not quite as good though okay is that where you moved for the weather uh yeah for the weather and for school and i you know i i really like the the culture and the vibe here in in silicon valley uh is always really interested in being on the i guess like the cutting edge of of technology and all the, you know, new internet and, and tech, tech stuff uh, that's coming out. So I think that was another reason to move here beside the weather. Exactly, exactly. Like proximity, right? Proximity is power. You want to get something, you want to learn from someone, you, you 
gotta be close, like physically close. Yeah, you know, try to be be close to the the best. And you know, I think as far as technology and new innovation, um, Silicon Valley is is the best in that. Yeah. So has it been worth it? Have you found like any useful mentors or people that you aspire to be like or learn from? Yeah, I've definitely uh, connected with a good number of people out here. Uh, you know, first off through. Uh, the college I went to, Santa Clara University, uh, math department there was great, great for me. Met some great people there, great, great professors. Uh, and then, you know, going into the the workforce and as I've gone through uh, the consulting that I do, um, definitely met some, you know, really great people, really intelligent people uh, that you can learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, That's very cool. I, yeah. Awesome. Like, I love that, uh, you know, it, when that pays off, if it's, it might be like a difficult move to make and even like consider moving to across the country, but eventually like it all works out. Um, speaking of technology cutting edge, like Wesley, you are like very interesting because one day I opened Upwork. So for those who don't know, Upwork is the largest online marketplace for uh, freelance workers and uh, for so there's supply and demand side businesses go there to hire freelancers freelancers go there to provide services largest in the world by far and uh, like uh, with the super data science we do a lot of work through Upwork we'll hire a lot of people one day I open an Upwork page and I see your face on the front <laughs> page <laughs> man right. like you're standing there this green background Wesley professional data scientist I was like whoa Upwork is featuring a data scientist Congrats on that, mate. That's a huge one. Yeah, thank you. It was, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. Uh, a little bit surprised to get that. You know, I knew I was, you know, top rated and and doing good work on there. Uh, but it was really nice to get a call from, I guess, their marketing uh, department. Tell us how it happened. Like, so you're just sitting there in your office one day, or you know, like uh, like co-working space. Where was it? Like, you get this call. You're like, oh, what? You want to feature me? Yeah, How did it, was, happen? it was actually an email. It was it wasn't a, a call actually. They just sent me a, a email. Um, you know, I think maybe kind of similar how you reached out to me and mm-hmm. sent sent me an email asking, oh, you know, we're updating our homepage um, and looking to feature freelancers in each of our major categories, uh, and we, you know, like you to be uh, the data science um, one. And, you know, here's sort of the the stuff that that's going to entail. Uh, Would you be interested? And if so, let's, you know, uh, set up a call, make sure everything's in in alignment. Take some Uh, photos, go to the studio. Yeah, yeah. So there was, uh, they did the phone call, a little, you know, uh, video conference, and I guess they like me well enough. So then they had photo shoot day and, uh, that was up in uh, San Francisco, so pretty convenient for me. Uh, about yeah. an hour, hour and a half from from my place. Um, drove up there, and yeah, I did the photo shoot. You know, full uh, full thing. You know, they get the the wardrobe people and the makeup artist, and oh, nice. Uh, Probably felt like like a celebrity, <laughs> not often yeah, the data scientists you know, put it, get a makeup fun. artist. Um. Yeah, and then they, you know, they ask for you know some more information so they can do those uh, features um, on you. Um, 
I, I don't know if you just saw the, so I'm on the homepage and then, then they're also going through and doing these campaigns to feature various um, freelancers where they do like oh, a no. little blurb. On I didn't see yeah. that. That's exciting. That's really so, wow. You're, you, you got featured in those as well. Very cool. Very cool. Yes. Well, like I, I realized you'd be so excited about this opportunity, but like to me, it, like even hearing that sounds super exciting because basically what that means is that Upwork recognizes as data science as one of their major categories. Like, did you learn anything more about that? How do you feel about that part of the news? Um, well, you know, I think, you know, I think there's been a lot of uh, hype uh, around data science. And I think there is, you know, a lot of um, advance in AI and machine learning and, and data science uh, is a relatively new field. So there's not tons and tons of experience um, in it. So I think mm -hmm. it makes sense for them to highlight such a growing market. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it definitely feels good to be in a, in a growing category uh, you know, where you know there's good potential for long-term growth in the future. Because um, it means you know, there's going to be a good demand for my skills, I think. Fantastic. Okay. And data cool. science and general skills, yeah. So let's dive into that a bit. Like, how long have you been doing data science for? Um, I'd, I'd say probably around since I graduated college, uh, around 2011. Mm -hmm. um, definitely going through, uh, like, grad school and stuff. I was always doing this consulting stuff on the side as I was doing my graduate studies. Mm -hmm. and, so about um, eight, eight years or so. Yeah. Yeah, seven, okay. eight, eight plus years. And how about how about Upwork? How long have you been on Upwork? Uh, well, I've been on Upwork since since they started. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually originally joined through a platform called Elance. Mm -hmm. And so, then it got acquired by Upwork. That was like uh, actually so there was Elance and there was Odesk, and they were uh -huh. both freelancer marketplaces. Uh, I think Elance to me was a little. Uh, more towards higher quality stuff and Odesk was more um, like admin virtual uh -huh. assistant type stuff but they did a merger uh -huh. and they, they did a merger between the two companies uh, and then they rebranded and, and came out as uh, Upwork I think oh, uh, that's how it was. or so after, after oh, okay. uh, the merger. Gotcha okay gotcha but how long have you been active on Upwork like uh, all this time or is it just possible? Yeah, yeah no all, all this time um, since they launched, I want to, you know, don't, don't hold me to the, these exact dates, but, yeah. uh, I think it was around 2015, 2016, uh, huh. timeframe that, that they uh -huh. came out and I've been, uh, active, uh, on the site ever, ever since, uh, it has definitely ramped up in, in terms of, you know, exposure within maybe the last year and a half or so, uh -huh. um, getting more clients. And I think that's, uh, probably just partly a nature of being in the business longer and, you know, it just takes that time to build up that reputation and um, have clients recognize you. Okay, gotcha. Well, uh, congrats on the huge success. So for our listeners, here are some mind-blowing stats. So uh, as a part-time freelancer, something you do on the side, as I imagine, while you're studying, while you're now running your own uh, business, a mentor analytics and other things, you've managed to earn sixty thousand dollars, sixty thousand US dollars on Upwork by completing one hundred and fifteen jobs, uh, working just over four hundred and sixty nine hours. That's that's the per hour uh, jobs. There's probably more hours, of course, in the fixed uh, payment jobs. 
and your current hourly rate. So if somebody uh, on Upwork wants to engage you as a data scientist right now, your currently hourly rate is $180 per hour. Mate, congrats on that. Those are like some really cool, impressive stats. Very inspiring. Yeah, uh, they, you know, when you read them that way, they sound really, uh, really great. Um, always good to hear. Yeah, and so tell us about your experience like working on Upwork. It must be, no, you know what? Let's start earlier. Like, how did you get into data science in the first place? Like, how did you, because sounds like you already in college knew that, oh, this is something I want to do. You're already doing some part-time work in data science and, you know, back in, since 2011. So how did you, what did you study and how did you come up, come into being in the data science space? Yeah, so I studied uh, math, um, math and finance. It's a double major in math and finance at, mm-hmm. at Santa Clara. And uh, then after that, I went uh, to Claremont Graduate School and get on, got a master's in, in mathematics. Uh, so I definitely come from the math side of things uh, rather than, I think, computer science is another pretty common background to get into data science. and. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some other backgrounds too, but I think those are two of the most uh, common. So I'm definitely more from the math stats side of things. Um, and I, you know, I've also always been interested in like business and, and finance. You know, that's why I studied finance in, in undergrad. Um, so this has sort of been combining those two. And that's that's sort of why I started doing this part time is I've always believed in sort of like, you know, multiple income streams. Mm-hmm. Um, so in addition to doing like a, you know, a main job or something, right? Uh, these days, you know, gig economy is sort of really big. Um, but I did sort of start to get into that, I think maybe before it really uh, took off uh, doing some of these side consulting projects and also I do a lot of like uh, math tutoring uh, throughout undergrad and, and grad school okay. uh, at the same time. So to me, part of it's always been about building these multiple streams of income. What, what was your first exposure to data science? Like what was like, cause you know, mathematics and your know, statistics is, is part of data science, but it's also a separate thing. You could have just become a statistician. When, when was that That's first true. time when you decided, okay, this is what, what I'm really passionate about. This is what data can do for business. Like, do you remember that first exposure, that first project that you did? You know, I, I think, um, you know, data science is such a, a broad field um, that, you know, it, it's to me very much a, a broad spectrum. So mm-hmm. it's very hard to me to say like, oh, this thing was like definitely in the data science category and this other thing, oh, that was just like in the math category. Um, I, I definitely do remember, um, I guess probably, I think it was my first job on, on Elance actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the guy ended up being like a really good um, client, you know, and I worked with him over several years, still occasionally keep in contact and send me some work every now and then. Um, yeah, I, I think it was, he wanted me to, you know, look at some data and like just build some graphs for mm-hmm. him. Um, and yeah, I mean, this was in, you know, pretty much Excel. There was definitely some data checking components to it. Make sure that he, he's transferring stuff over, I think from like some PDF files, 
Um, and you know, that's pretty much just all, all manual work. Um, you know, just verifying that the numbers in the spreadsheet are right and then building out these various graphics for him to use. Um, you know, and, and by graphics, you know, I mean like, you know, line charts and bar charts and, and that sort of mm -hmm. thing. So nothing too uh, sophisticated here. Um, but, you know, I think just getting that first job and realizing that, you know, somebody's going to pay you money to do this directly and that this is bringing value to them or at least enough more value than they're, they're paying you. Um, I think that, you know, was really inspiring for me to be like, oh, people actually want, you know, to pay to use my skills. And, you know, I really enjoy working with the numbers and trying to convert all of these thing, all of these, you know, numbers, which a lot of people aren't really quantitative, you know, they don't want to just read a table and, and have understanding from that because that's really hard. They want, mm -hmm. you know, these nice visuals, these graphics so that they can, you know, look at something in, you know, five, 10 seconds and have a much better understanding, you know, rather than pouring through data for, you know, an hour or so to get the same kind of insights. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, kind of like your first entry to data science was through business intelligence and then like slowly developed. When did you start getting into like more uh, modeling type of data science, more like the machine learning side of things. Yeah. Um, you know, I will say a, a lot of my, the work that I do is, I, I think, as you said, maybe more towards the business intelligence mm -hmm. uh, side of things, but modeling is definitely a, uh, important thing. What um, would you say is the, to, like the percentage ratio? Cause I'm, I'm looking through your past jobs on Upwork, by the way, everybody will share uh, Wesley's <laughs> profile on the yeah. show notes. And you should go and check it out like because the jobs actually have the titles. Some of them you can go in and see the descriptions, what people wanted from the job. So like the top jobs, that the most recent ones are predictive model and algorithm for sports, uh, sports analytics, predictive model for natural resource supply and demand modeling, statistician for analysis, statistical advice about estimating cost curves, ad hoc stats and data consulting. It uh, looks like most recently it's been like modeling. So what would you say is the ratio between business intelligence jobs and uh, predictive modeling or machine learning um, jobs? Yeah, you know, I, I actually, I don't really keep track of the, mm. the percentages. Um, Very strange for a data scientist not to keep track of percentages. But like, what, what's your gut feel from your, if you're looking back, would you say it's 50-50, 70-30? Yeah, I think 50-50 I think mm -hmm. sounds about right. But the thing is like the modeling jobs, mm -hmm. you know, I guess maybe here's where, where it kind of gets skewed is in order to do the modeling, you have to do all the, the pre-cleaning work beforehand. So regardless of what, what you're doing, whether you're doing a modeling job or you're not, do, or you're just building graphics for somebody, you still have to go through and clean the data. Mm -hmm. um, and I think probably as your viewers have heard a, a lot before, right? You know, 70, 80% of a data scientist's yeah. job is not building models. It's cleaning data and, you know, getting it organized so that, you know, you have, you know, no missing values, that you don't have duplicate values, um, so that, you know, you have the right features that you want to put into your model. All right, that's like 80% of the job. And then, you know, even if I'm doing a modeling job, you know, then the last 20% or whatever, 10 to 20% is actually going to be building that, mm -hmm. that model. Gotcha. Makes sense. Um, yeah, but I'd say like, you know, 50, 50, um, because a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of companies I, I think want actually more like algorithms or, or various like metrics yeah. and metrics are, 
I, I think generally end up being some kind of weighted average um, that's really informed by industry expertise mm-hmm. as to which factors are, are important. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you can do some data verification here and there, you know, to make sure that, oh, if they say, oh, this factor is important, right, you, you want to go through the data and and have some support and verification of this fact. Um, but I think, you know, generally, if people have been in a particular industry, they're very knowledgeable about that industry. And, and they actually do have a pretty good idea of as to the key factors that are going to influence their mm-hmm. their decision. Uh, how about you? Like uh, you're doing these jobs across, you know, like sports analytics, mining, oil, medicine, you know, like all these different industries. Mm-hmm. Um, biostatistician, I can see a job here, like crazy variety, very exciting. <laughs> um, is it hard for you to develop that domain or industry expertise? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's always the, the trade-off. Um, so yeah, I, I'm very knowledgeable, I would say about, you know, data and, you know, how data variables relate to each other and what kind of models are appropriate based on the kind of data that you have mm-hmm. um, and what kind of visuals are, are appropriate based on the data types that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think getting a basic understanding of uh, domain expertise uh, I really enjoy doing it, mm-hmm. and I can get a lot of that actually from my clients. So the clients, when they come to me, generally have a lot of domain expertise already. Uh, you know, that's the reason they're in their particular industry. But what they don't have is they don't have a lot of knowledge about you know how data works or how to build you know statistical machine learning uh, models. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what they come to me for, right? And through our are, you know, like initial calls about, you know, what are their objectives for the project? What do they want to, you know, get as an output um, from me? You know, what kind of data do they have available? Uh, There is a fair bit of back and forth uh, communication uh, between us to, I think, at least keep me in the loop about, you know, what is, where's the domain expertise coming in? And they can, they can inform uh, give me a good information on that. And then I can do a pretty good job of building that into any model that I, I create. Okay. Gotcha. Very interesting. So tell us a bit about the process. Like you said, uh, a client contacts you, then you have some calls, like walk us through the steps you take to onboard a client and understand what are their actual needs? Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, the, the onboarding and, and communication step is, is very, very important, um, you know, for whatever kind of project that you're running, whether it's in a big company or, you know, like I do on the freelance side of things. Uh, you definitely want to figure out uh, what is their objective for the project? What kind of output are they expecting? Uh, what kind of timeline are they on? Um, what kind of data do they have available? Um, and that one's probably going to take a little longer. Um, first off, once you establish those objectives, then you're going to, you know, need to get access to the data somehow. You know, maybe that's them sending me the data in like a CSV format. Maybe it's connecting to their database. Um, clients I, I work with tend not to have massive, massive amounts of data, so they can usually manage a CSV file. It seems to be the preferred method. Um, 
And once I take a quick look at that data, you know, I'll probably have some clarifying questions about, oh, how was this data gathered? You know, uh, you know, just particular, um, you know, specific data questions. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'll probably outline uh, the steps that I recommend going forward. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes there will be, you know, two or three maybe different options uh, for them to choose between, you know, based on, you know, how much time they initially want me to spend on it versus how deep they want me to go, right? The deeper that I go and the more sophisticated model I build, uh, the more time I'm going to have to spend with it and the more expensive it is going to be for them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they they need to decide where the balance is there for their particular needs. Once they let me know about that, um, you know, then that's when you sort of really get into the data cleaning and the, the model building. And, um, and from there, you'd sort of go to the deliverable, which is either, you know, a presentation or, a, you know, a model um, or a dashboard, depending on their particular needs. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so um, I, I see that you have, both fixed jobs and per hour. And for those who are not familiar with Upwork, uh, basically it's two types of jobs. The client might say, okay, I have this this budget. This is how much I'm going to pay. Or you might agree on a price with the client together in advance, like $200 or $1,500 or $5,000 for this job. Or it can be per hour. So what would you say is like the most common type of uh, work you're hired for? Is it per hour or is it fixed price work? Um. I've mostly done per hour mm -hmm. work. Um, I think I am trending towards doing more uh, fixed price jobs, but I think I think there's place there, there's room for both of them. Mm -hmm. uh, the advantage of having an hourly rate um, is the client can be a little bit more flexible mm -hmm. and respond uh, based on the feedback that I tell them after I've done some data exploration and and you know got started on the project. You know, I can tell them, oh, you know, I found, you know, this, this and this, and those are really interesting. Do you want me to dig into these, you know, facts a little bit more? Um, and on an hourly job, they'll have more flexibility um, from me in, in doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, but the advantage of the fixed price thing is, uh, I think on the cost side, you know, they have a, they don't have any variable costs anymore, right? Like it's a fixed price. Um, you know, they know exactly how much they're going to pay. They know exactly what they're going to get. So when I'm doing a fixed price job, uh, I make extra sure mm -hmm. to have really clear end deliverables so that both the client and I are on the same page uh, and will be both be happy with me in terms of how many hours it's going to take me to complete this thing and them on the very particular deliverable that they want. Mm -hmm. So if they know... Uh, sort of like what they want at the end of the day, then a fixed price job is a good way to go. Uh, but if they'd like some more, you know, flexibility to, you know, change up the product project and make edits um, to the needs of the project as it progresses, then I think the hourly uh, job can be better. Mm -hmm. Tell us about good clients versus bad clients, because as freelancers can give you good and bad, I imagine clients can be good and bad. So how do you select or vet your clients Seeing that, okay, this is a person or a business that I do want to work with versus this is a business that I don't feel right working with. I can see that there'll be problems down the line. Yeah, you know, I, I think I've been pretty fortunate. I had have not had too many uh, what I would consider bad clients. Um, you know, 
luck or, or just the vetting process uh, hopefully helps with that. Um, you want clients who communicate uh, really well. They respond in a timely manner to any questions that you have on their project. Um, you want you know, clients that are going to be detailed. So when they're posting up their job, uh, they should have a pretty detailed post about exactly what they need and, and what they want. Uh, you know, if you just post up, oh, I have some data. I want some analysis on it. Um, <laughs> That's the worst kind of you job. Know, I'm like, I'm like, well, it's like oh, that could be like anything. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know what you want there. Um, but if you're like, oh, you know what? I'm an online re retailer. I have a bunch of customer data. And, you know, I want to figure out, like, who are my top customers and what kind of characteristics do they have? Then that, that's a pretty good uh, something thing to build off of, right? It's, it's pretty clear that they want more information on their customers. They have some data on it. Um, so, you know, detail-oriented, um, good communication. Um, and I think, well, also they want to value your expertise, right? Like they're hiring you because you're knowledgeable in your field. Um, so I don't want clients who are going to skimp, uh, you know, I don't want people who are looking for the cheapest freelancer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's why, why my hourly rate is where it is mm -hmm. is because the only kinds of people I want contacting me are people who value my expertise mm -hmm. and Hence, they're going to show that value right by saying, oh, yeah, you know, I think it's worth it, you know, to pay this guy $180 an hour. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So you're like your hourly rate acts as a filter. You're already like only letting through high quality clients and like minimizing the amount of additional filtering that you'll have to do by like looking at the job description and things like that. Yeah, my, I think my price is definitely... Uh, a filter in there to to help get those high quality clients because you know I've I've done it in the past that people have um, you know asked for a lower hourly rate or, mm -hmm. or discount um, and I feel like pretty much all of my bad clients mm -hmm. have come from the people that I have agreed to give discounts to mm -hmm. right now not everybody that um, you know in the in the past that I've given discounts to has turned out to be a bad client but I don't think I've really had good cli or clients who, who haven't, uh, you know, negotiated some kind of discount or put up some kind of, some of these sort of red flags here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they're always the ones that turn out. So it's basically <laughs> best to stick by your decision and use that price as a filter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. gotcha. Yeah, I've definitely, yeah, I got a little burned from, from not doing gotcha. that and not following my own advice. <laughs> And speaking of your hourly rate, it's uh, it's grown over the years, right? So you back in 2015, and so you started like at mm -hmm. $35, went up to 40, 50, uh, 120, 150, 180. Like, when is uh, the when do you feel confident? Like for somebody who's a freelancer now is looking to get into freelancing, when is the right time? What's a good starting rate, first of all, on Upwork for a data scientist, in your opinion, somebody who's mm -hmm. brand new to Upwork? Sure. And second, how, when is the right time to increase your rate? Yeah, um, I don't know. I think it's always really hard uh, trying to pick a starting rate. Mm -hmm. 
so if you're just starting out, yeah, you're you're definitely going to be on the lower end because you need to build up that that reputation. Um, you know, I think something in the probably thirty to fifty dollar range per hour mm-hmm. is probably a reasonable starting rate for the data science category. Um, how do I, you know, decide when when to raise my rate? Uh, it, it generally has to do with the amount of demand that I have for my work. And when I feel that I'm getting too much work to do at a given hourly rate, then I raise my rate mm-hmm. and like, oh, well, I'm, I'm getting too much work right now. I've, you know, too many clients. Uh, okay. So that means it's, it's time for me to raise my rate, uh, you know, get more hourly or get fewer clients for a higher hourly rate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. That makes makes total sense. Um, so in a similar fashion, if you don't get enough work, it's always okay to drop your rate a bit so that you get more work, and then you're back on that trend. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's you know if if you're looking for more work um, at a given time, yeah, drop your rate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a lot of it does depend on your your personal um, financial situation as to, you know, how much you wanted that, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, I don't have a lot of clients right now, but I don't really care. I want, I want more free time anyway. So mm-hmm. works for me. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So tell us a bit about the tools. Like what tools do you use for your data science projects? Yeah, I'd say, uh, the main tool that I use is R. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, you know, our fans out there. R, yeah. our fans <laughs> for the, you know, I have the math stats background, so you know, I went into R. Um, I think I definitely I first used that I think in a class or two in my undergrad, and maybe a class or two in grad school also required me to use R. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually didn't really get into it until I took um, I did the Johns Hopkins uh, ten course series on Coursera. Oh yeah, I did one of them, um, and that, I did the R yeah. one, R programming one, on that one, yeah. It's really good. Yeah, so that entire ten course series uh, is in is in R. Uh, so I'd say that's really where I got my start in using R on a regular basis. And then, you know, once I completed that, I started doing consulting stuff um, in R because um, they found it to be a very good tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Yeah, so R I would say is my you know primary you know. Uh, data, data cleaning, science language, data yeah. modeling, uh, all that stuff. Yeah, it's so flexible. I, I also love that it's free and it's open source. You can find whatever packages that you want. Uh, there's a good community around it. So anytime I get stuck on anything, I can like just like go to Google and you know it'll probably come up with like Stack Exchange or Stack Overflow or something like that, and um, you can solve your problem pretty quickly that way. Yeah. Um, and I also end up using um, Excel, uh, a good bit. Uh, a lot of my clients are, you know, not as, uh, data savvy. So sometimes the, if, especially if they have a, a tool that they want built rather than just a report at the end, uh, a lot of them will want it in Excel so that their, you know, people, uh, once the tool is built can go ahead and like maintain the tool and update the tool with data. Um, so there, I'll, I'll also build things in Excel uh, for them. 
Um, sometimes that does actually mean I will, you know, go build, say, like a regression model or something in R uh -huh. um, that's, that's a little more sophisticated than Excel could build. Um, and then once I have that model, I'll, I'll sort of basically just import that model into Excel. And, and at that point, that model is fixed, which, you know, is a, a little sad for me because I'm like, I wish it could be a little more dynamic. But, uh -huh. you know, they, they needed an Excel. So, you know, that's kind of what I have to do. What do, what do you um, mean you import into Excel? Like you import, like you recode it in Excel or you take the actual um, R results and just put them in Excel? What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, no, you just take the R results. And oh, put them in okay, Excel. gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, like, um, you know, very trivial example. But, you know, like if our equation ended up being, you know, y equals 3x plus 5 or something, um, just kind of hard code 3x plus 5 into... Oh, the coefficients. You move the, Excel. like, all... Yeah, I just move the coefficients. I mean, Excel can Excel can build those kinds of, you know, basic linear regressions. But, you know, for, like, a more uh, okay. sophisticated model... Gotcha. So basically, you wouldn't, wouldn't be able to retrain the model in Excel. You would have to retrain it in R again. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to re retrain in R if they wanted an update on the. That's very cool. I love that you mentioned that. Like, it, uh, it takes a lot of humility to mention, <laughs> like, like to do work in Excel or like to be confident to do work in Excel. Why is because there are data scientists out there that will like I don't know, swear on their lives that Excel is the worst tool for data science. They'll probably like stone you to death if you mention something like that in front of them. So like, it's it's really cool. I think it's a good um point that you gotta adapt to the client's needs right like you like r that's great but what yeah. does the client need yeah no i think that's absolutely been my approach and my philosophy is yeah you know what i love to use r all day long um but you know the reality of it is you know what does the client need what's the client want um and that's what i need to deliver on uh, and I think it is really easy, you know, when you get into to data science, you're like, oh, I want to build like the most like awesome, sophisticated, complex model that I can. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's going to like, you know, have this, you know, great accuracy rate and, and predictive power and, and all of that. Um, but sometimes it's just like it it's so complicated to understand the client like, you know, they'll just like, bin yeah, it. they're just going to throw it in the trash. Yeah. Um, you know, actually, I think this reminded me of, uh, was it back in like 2009 or something? Like Netflix had like the Netflix prize for like uh -huh. improving their like recommendation algorithm. Very famous thing on Kaggle. Yeah. I uh, know, yeah. or maybe and, not on Kaggle, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely heard of that one. Yeah. Yeah. They had like this Netflix prize. And it's like, I don't know how much it was. A lot of money, I'm sure. I think it was a million um, bucks. I think it was actually it was a, million? a million bucks. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they didn't end up using the winning algorithm because the winning algorithm, while it was better, it wasn't like that much better. Yeah. And it was just so much more resource intensive uh -huh. uh, that it wasn't practical to use it. Right. Uh -huh. So, you know, there's when you're, you know, building these models, you have to balance a lot of different resources. Um, so the, the basically and, the, the winner know, didn't take into account like that Netflix needs to do this all the time real real time it has to be yeah. continuously running on their servers they're going to scale to a massive company with you know like the it's right now it's the biggest subscription company in the world with the biggest membership full stop so like that obviously those are that gives certain constraints to the types of models that would be useful to them right and i mean it's 
I think the contestants, they, you know, they won and they absolutely follow all the contestant guidelines. So I think part of it also falls on, you know, Netflix for, you know, oh, I guess, yeah. for not realizing that they needed to put these additional constraints for their, you know, problem. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. Okay. So, um, R, Excel, very cool. Um, what do you use for BI? Um, well, I've, I guess I actually don't do, uh, you know, those are the main tool tools that I, okay. So even for, for BI, use. you would use R or Excel, like you'd create charts and visualizations because you know, maybe you use, use yeah. Tableau or Power BI or something else. So, but it's R and Excel mostly. Yeah, uh, R R and Excel. Uh, actually, when I was working at at Symantec, I did I did some SQL stuff. So, but you know, that's not exactly yeah, yeah. that's that's still kind of like the data pulling um, side of things. Yeah. So, building visuals, I'll I'll definitely use ggplot uh, two in ggplot two is good, you know, really good. Yeah, very good. And there's a lot of other like you know add on stuff with yeah. with uh, ggplot. Uh, you know, recently I've I've been doing some of the geospatial stuff with with like the oil uh, data set yeah. uh, I've been working on, um, and I've used I think it's ggmap, so uh -huh. I can pull in in Google Maps and integrate it with ggplot, oh, and it works. That's uh, fantastic. Yeah. That's sweet. Speaking of oil, uh, let's switch gears a bit and talk ab about some projects that you've done. Like, get us excited. What are some of the coolest projects you've done as a freelancer? Yeah, so um, I think you mentioned that oil and gas data um, it's still an ongoing project. Mm -hmm. um, so what's that one about? Yeah. I, like as much as you can share, of course, I understand there's like certain caveats, you can't disclose everything, but whatever is public or whatever is you, yeah, you can I try to, disclose. Yeah, I try to keep it uh, gen general here. Um, yeah, so client uh, got some uh, oil and uh, gas data from uh, drilling wells in, in Texas, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's been, it's, this one's been, I'd say a bit more open-ended than my, my typical project. So a lot of data exploration here, but definitely working towards, um, you know, building, uh, you know, models for, for trying to figure out, uh, where to drill wells, what kind of geology is going to be, predictive of, you know, high oil content for high production value. Mm -hmm. um, and I think possibly also working on the cost side of things as well, right? Like how um, maybe certain ge geology are going to be more expensive mm. to to work through. Uh, so, you know, you're balancing the, the revenue side of things and the cost side of things. So, you know, what kind of different uh, engineering stuff are you going to have to do for harder um, you know, harder geology, I guess. Um, I've heard numbers around like that. It takes about 20 to $40,000 just to do one test drill, just like to drop the, uh, I think it's like drop the shaft into the, or like make the, sure. uh, drill and drop the shaft in there to check, check, uh, if this is a good place or not, that's 20 to 40,000 bucks. And they do like dozens, if not hundreds of them to find, uh, where to continue drilling to explore and it's still it's not a guarantee so if you are able to provide value imagine how much money you can save the company like that yeah uh you know having you know more intelligence on on the geology and how the geology relates to uh the overall oil production uh i think is really important 
uh, for the oil companies. And if you can, you know, say develop some kind of software or something to really uh, help them with this, uh, I think there'd be a lot of demand okay. for that. I hope, hope there would be anyway. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a big one. That's a really big one. I know. What, do you have another one? Something? Some other different industry? Something that might be very exciting? Um, yeah. Uh, let's see what I can think of here. Uh, I did um, do some stuff. I guess this is healthcare, uh, more healthcare mm -hmm. related. Uh, they were, uh, I guess, optometry ma manufacturer. Mm -hmm. um, so just doing a customer segmentation analysis here, they run a pretty uh, extensive survey. So, you know, went out and you know, surveyed a bunch of, uh, you know, their customer types, you know. Sorry, this wasn't you going out. You Like, they, they went out, you no, just got the No, they, they, they had already done the survey, so they provided the survey and uh, basically a summarized results of the survey to me. They gave me the raw survey, too, so I could see the, okay. you know, the questions and look for any... But ju just to uh, clarify for our listeners, like, all of your work you do either from your home or from a cafe or from co-working, like, you, do you ever go out to the client's location? I very rarely go out to the client's location. I have, uh, I have made some client visits uh -huh. um, in the Silicon Valley area. I think that is one advantage for me. You know, being based in San Jose, is, yeah, I've you know had kind of some Silicon Valley type people, and I can go visit them because you know they're going to be an hour away from me at most. Mm -hmm. um, you know. Exactly. I do, you know, I do work through like Upwork and, and stuff, as you mentioned. So, you know, like the photo shoot was very close for me, right? I've visited like Upwork headquarters um, before, you know, not exactly a client visit, but sort of <laughs> gotcha. in, in a similar nature. Yeah. Um, I I think I've done one or two client visits, you know, in, in the local area. Yeah. Um, but I guess with the mentor analytics uh, startup that you have on... Um, data science consulting, that that would become more common, like clients that are hiring you not through Upwork, but through your uh, own company would sometimes expect that you come on site and actually work with them directly. Yeah, um, I, I would not be opposed, uh, opposed to that. Uh, I think there are definitely benefits to having face-to-face -face, uh, in-person interactions. Uh -huh. uh, you can definitely get, uh, I think, more more done. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it also comes down to a cost thing from a cost perspective. It is much cheaper for me just to, you know, work, work here from a cafe or from my room or laptop, yeah. uh, wherever that is, um, then go in, in person. I guess that being said, I, I did do uh, several trips, uh, over the summer. Yeah. Um, clients did fly me around to a, a couple of different places on the East coast. Um, Nice. So, well, mate, that, that's the thing was going to happen. Yeah. Like you, as you grow, as you get more, more and more clients, uh, like, and especially with your expertise, like if you're going to be saving tens of thousands of dollars with your analysis or creating additional revenue, it's a no brainer for a client to fly you, not just across the country, across the world, if they need to, to get you like in front of the right people. If, if the job cannot be done remotely. Yeah. If, if the job requires that I'm and it's saving plenty of money, then I, I think it's definitely worth it and, and makes sense. Um, All right, gotcha. Let's get back to this optometry example. Sounds really cool. So you had these uh, optometry manufacturer that went around, surveyed their clients, 
send you a lot of surveys and they'll ask you to um, segment them, right? Like geodemographic segmentation. Yeah, so do, yeah, do a, essentially exactly a customer, you know, segmentation analysis. Um, you know, basically most of the questions were, you know, kind of numeric or you could make them categorical, right? And then make them dichotomous variables mm -hmm. or some kind of sliding scale, right? Likert scale type questions. Um, and then from that, uh, did like, a, you know, PCA uh, for standardizing and, and scaling the variables and then uh, went ahead and did a cluster analysis, k-means cluster analysis mm -hmm. to go, go ahead and establish uh, the appropriate uh, clustering, you know, I think, I think I used the, what is it, the elbow method hmm. for trying to, to pick out those the, uh, yeah. particular <laughs> optimal number of, of clusters. Um, so what, what, was an, of what was the total number of clusters? Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't, I was like five, five or six. Five or six. Okay, well, and customer profiles. Were yeah. they surprised at the profiles? Because like, I, I love this when, when it happens, when you're, you're able to generate customer profiles, not by just like talking to your customers and kind of having a gauge of what, what kind of people they are, what kind of businesses they are, but actually just through plain data, you know, do K-means clustering, there's five clusters and this is what they are. Like, well, how did the client react to that? Uh, overall, I think the, the client was pretty happy with it. Um, yeah, I, I think they're very happy and, you know, we went through and, you know, you get, you get you know, the center of your clusters, right? And then you figure out where, what does that correspond to in terms of questions? Yeah. So that then you can kind of build up that, you know, demographic um, information, which I think is much more impactful to them. And like, oh, you know, yeah, these kind of people like, oh, yeah, like I've, you know, I, I know certain clients who kind of like fit into that demographic, right? Yeah, that, yeah. that kind of category, right? And then like, oh, we have these other clients that fit into that other one. Um, yeah, so I think it went over very well. Nice, very cool. Um, do you know anything about the results of that? Like how much money you saved them or like what kind of initiatives they undertook from that? Or or this was the end of your involvement in this project? Uh, yes, that was the end of my involvement um, with with that particular project. Um, you know, I guess I, I do sometimes wish that I, I would hear more after yeah. the end of my involvement about the particular impacts. But I think um, a lot of times what happens on uh, like the freelance side freelance consulting side of things um is i'll do my one particular part and i'll i'll make my deliverable uh but then i don't get to hear necessarily the impact of that yeah. you know down the line that's that's the trade-off of yeah. like freelance work like if you're working full-time in a company you get to see the fruits of your labor and like them making an impact consultants freelancers you do your part and you leave and you often never find out what happened next yeah um, now, some of them, uh, you know, they'll hire me on for like some other project later. Um, but yeah, like uh, a lot of them, uh, yeah, you don't you don't always hear the yeah. or don't very often hear the impacts of of the work later on down the line. Yeah, gotcha. All right. Well, that's been two oil and gas optometry. Give us one more. Let's let's round it up to three. One more example from a different sure. industry. Um. Yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, a while ago, I, I actually did one um, for a company that was, I guess, going through some class action uh, lawsuit mm. um, stuff. Uh, so, 
And I guess maybe this one I know maybe a little more impact. Um, yeah, I th I'm sure they were on the hook probably for at least several several million dollars in terms of you know these employees trying to to sue them. Um, and I guess these employees were workers that would go out uh, into the field and they would end up uh, you know driving these uh, trucks that are owned by the company and they had uh, GPS trackers on all of their uh -huh. their equipment, right? All of their vehicles. So I was able to look through the the GPS data uh, to establish, you know, how long, um, at least at a high level, an average level, um, you know, various employees were were driving around, right? And their I think their whole lawsuit was really around that oh they weren't being paid enough, you know, overtime and and this sort of thing. So I did a lot of <laughs> so know, basically cleaning aggregation. The yeah. employees were like uh, in these cars and or basically they were like, we're not getting paid enough for all the overtime. And yet you have the data on their GPS locations where they moved around. So you're trying to like help the company prove that actually, you know, they were being paid enough. Yeah, they were being paid enough. We have the, the logs of, you know, how long they're driving these cars and we can see where they, they went and, um, you know, I'm not going through every single one, right? You, they have general patterns, and you look for the the various cutoffs to for indicators, right? As you're going through and cleaning the data, obviously, you know, yeah, I'm going to go through. You know, you're going to have some misclassification here and there, but when you're going through thousands and and hundreds of thousands of rows of, you know, GPS tracking mm -hmm. data, this is what you have to do. Um, yeah, so you can you know come up with these. Uh, you know, basically, you know, how how long were they driving on each day for a given employee ID and and that sort of thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure what happened with that one was that they ended up uh, uh, doing settling, you know, out of court. But I think they settled much lower than the uh, employees were probably hoping for. So I, th I think that was definitely a win for the company. Oh, very interesting. And a fair win, not just like they... Uh, mistreated employees yeah, yeah. like it's no it, I, I don't think they're mistreating them at, at all um but yeah i don't know you can get into you know these labor disputes and that's very cool know, it's kind of like forensics them. data science over there really nice nice project and, and you got that one through upwork uh that one was actually not through upwork uh it was through um another consulting firm that i was uh working with at the time uh -huh. A uh, guy named Michael, uh, who's uh, kind of a mentor uh, figure as well. He he was running his own consulting firm, um, and this was one of his clients. And he'd often hire me on f to do the data, the data science, data analytics uh, portion of any projects that he got. How did you um, How did you meet Michael? Uh, now, actually, there you go. See, Michael, I actually met through a. Aha! Uh -huh. um, there you go. Yeah. So so I did. Uh, he did find me initially through Upwork, but he was also based in the Bay Area, so we were able to meet up and, and coordinate and everything. Very cool, very cool. So uh, there you go. That's what I was getting to that, um, you know, like as you build your profile, as you build expertise, you get um, connections, you start networking through these projects, and eventually you come up with like something like really cool like that comes your way. That's very, very exciting. Mate, thanks so much for sharing. We have very little time left on the podcast. I do have a few more questions to ask you. So, um, main one, uh, actually two main questions. So, your thoughts on freelance versus 
full-time work. So there's people listening to this. They're like, um, I'm actually a full-time employee. I have my data science job or I'm transitioning into data science. I want to get a full-time job in data science. There's plenty of you know, demand for that. Why would I ever you know, go into freelance? So what, like what, or are they like maybe on the fence in between, like, oh, should I be freelancer? Should I be a full-time data scientist? What are your thoughts? Like you've done both. Where does your heart lie? Um, you know, I, I think that's a very, you know, personal choice for me. I think, uh, no question, uh, you know, love being freelance. And the reason that I love being freelance is the flexibility and the amount of control that I have over the work that I do and the schedule that I can set. So, you know, this is probably more relevant maybe for somebody who has, you know, a family and they want to, you know, take care of their kids and they want to, you know, do work after the kids go to bed or do work while the kids are in school. Um, but I think freelance can be really, really good for uh, work-life balance if you know how to manage yourself correctly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You also have the danger of letting the work control you instead of controlling the work, in which case, you know, I've definitely read about all these, you know, stories of, you know, people who are self-employed and, and working on their own and they end up you know, working 12 to 14 hour days because they're trying to do everything. You're talking um, to one right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> um, but, you know, generally I, I love the flexibility um, to set my own thing. And I think I have the right temperament to do this. So it works really well for me. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, being a full time employee for, you know, a small company, big company, startup, you know, whatever, you know, whatever suits you, whatever you enjoy doing. Um, now, I think the a lot of benefits over there as well. You have a nice, stable job. You know what you're going to do, you know, go go to work five days a week, probably put in the nine to five. Um, I guess depending if you're, you know, a big tech company or something, you know, it can vary, but, you know, maybe you end up putting in more, but, you know, you have a nice stable job to go to. You have a steady income, very predictable income. You have access to great health care, um, which, yeah, at least, you know, that's that's definitely one of my challenges is, you know, the, the you know, uncertainty. The healthcare, yeah, well, the uncertainty and, and you know, health care is very expensive to get without being part of a, a big company. Uh -huh. um, and, yeah, like I have to deal with, you know, self-employment yeah, yeah. taxes and, you know, like all of these other things. Whereas if you're, you know, doing data science at a big company, um, you know, you just get to do data science stuff gotcha. basically. Right. And you're probably going to be building more sophisticated models as a full-time employee, especially at, if you're working at, um, LinkedIn or Facebook or Apple or yeah, Amazon yeah, yeah. or Google and any of these big ones, yeah, it's they all, have the resources to, to have get you to work on these much more sophisticated models. Whereas, you know, I need to meet my clients demands. Yeah, very true. And it's always like a strategic thing. Like you might decide, like I, I always recommend looking at your careers as a, uh, like a conquest as a like a, with a strategic eye, basically you might decide, all right, I'm going to go work for Apple or Google or LinkedIn and, you know, learn there for two or three years, but then I'll become a freelancer or something along those lines. And speaking of which, I wanted to ask you, like, what are your thoughts on having a full-time job for those like all of our listeners who have or are aiming for a full-time job and doing freelancing on the side, like doing some data science work on Upwork or other, other um, uh, freelance websites and just like gaining that expertise or 
additional income from uh, side finance. Do, do you think it's a good idea or maybe that's like too much dilution of focus? Oh, no, I think I think that's a great idea. That's absolutely what I did. Um, you know, I was doing freelance part time as I was working through school. Uh, and then when I, you know, went full time at uh, Symantec, I was also doing freelance stuff uh, in the evenings. Uh, I think it's a great way to get your, you know, foot in the door, see if you like it. You know, if you don't like the freelance work, right, like you can't deal with like, you know, the client demanding that, oh, where's my, you know, item I need to buy tomorrow or something like that. Um, like, I think it's a great way to test the waters. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's also a great way to get started on building your clientele is a, a much less risky way mm -hmm. to get started in freelancing. I think I would actually recommend most or all people uh, try to get that full-time job and then work on building up the freelance side of things if that's the route that they eventually want to go. Uh, you just have so much more stability, particularly at the beginning when you're working in a full-time uh, position where you can you know count on that paycheck day in and day out. You know, if you're just starting from from scratch, and you don't have a job and you're trying to do this freelance thing full time, uh, your income's going to be all over the map. And at the beginning, it's uh, actually going to probably be much more towards the low end of things. And then you're going to start to worry, you know, uh, about like, oh, you know, am I going to have enough for rent or food, mm -hmm. you know, healthcare, that that sort of the thing. Stress. And you, yeah, you don't want that kind of stress um, at the beginning if you can avoid it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's so, a good point. So I would definitely recommend And so that. like for people who are like transitioning into the space of data science, like if for instance like you're a developer or, or you already have like a good stable job somewhere, you know, that could also be one of the strategies to transition into data science. Like rather than jumping into a junior role as a data scientist, keep your like high paying job as a developer or as whoever you are right now and see how you fare as a data scientist in uh, you know, like on upwork or on the side. You know, that could be another approach. You could like of course, get a job as a data scientist and do that. Or you could, while you're still kind of like looking for opportunities, full-time opportunities in data science, why not start up on the side and see how you go? Yeah, uh, I'm absolutely, I, I agree. I think it's all about, you know, you don't need to take one massive step to get into data science, right? I'm always about advocating the progressions, the little steps um, that it takes you to get anywhere. So yeah, do those side projects. You know, another potential thing is if you're interested in getting into data science, you already have that, you know, full-time job as maybe like a developer or something like that. Um, you can talk to your your boss and see if there's like maybe a, a smaller kind of data science project that you could work on for your current company. Um, and that way they know that you're interested in moving into data science. Um, and also you get a little bit of experience working on a project you're going to enjoy. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you for that. Um, and last thing what I want to do is, um, let's give a piece of advice for those who are like dis determined, decided, like I want to try out this freelancing thing. I'm going to go and create a profile. I'm going to get started with this. Like, I'd love to hear one piece of advice from you for people like that. And, and I'll also give one and I'll get, I'll start first. So, sure. So the, my piece of advice is, um, with the times when you joined Upwork and when Upwork was just starting out are long gone. Upwork is now like the mm -hmm. biggest online marketplace in the world. And people listening to this, I'm really excited that whoever's listening, you've listened to this part of the episode because this advice is going to be like, might change the course of 
how you're going to go about this. Upwork gets, and this is like recent research. I've, um, you know, like I've had friends who are excited, who want to be um, online uh, freelancers, not in the space of data science, but I've basically worked with a few people to help them get started in Upwork. And I've done this research quite thoroughly and Upwork gets 10,000 applications, wait for it, per day. 10,000 applications wow. per day. <laughs> so there is no way in the world that they can accept everybody because otherwise the marketplace would be overblown. And so they have a very rigorous process of qualifying people. So first it's an artificial intelligence that goes through your application. Then it's a person that goes through your application. So my advice is persistence. If you really have decided for yourself, you want to be a, free, a freelance data scientist on Upwork, apply and I guarantee you that your first application will be denied. Second one probably as well. <laughs> they will deny you up to three or five times just to see if you are really serious about it. Then I think that's how the algorithm works. Like it just denies everybody right away. Then okay, if you could persist. And so you can apply up to like, there's unlimited number of times you can apply, but people apply <laughs> eight or 10 times before they get approved. I recommend we'll link to a few blogs in the show notes where you can read more about this on uh, how to get your profile up, approved in Upwork, you know, what people have gone through, some advice and so on. But basically persistent is key. It'll take you a few weeks, even a few months to get approved. You have to keep changing application, uh, tweaking it, adjusting it to, you know, make it more um, user friendly or m make it more like appealing to them so that they can see that you will add value to marketplace. But you need to keep pushing. If you give up after the first time, you think that, oh, well, they denied me, then you're not going to get on there. So make sure to be persistent. That's my advice. Yeah, you know, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, it has been many years since I was, uh, you know, first started on the platform. So I, in that sense, I was lucky in getting in early. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think something that would be really helpful is trying to have a unique offering. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm your typical data science, uh, person, right. I, I tend to have like a unique offering in terms of the, I think much more of an emphasis on the, the math stats background and really making, uh, high quality deliverable to the client, right? Like I'm not all about sophisticated model. I'm about the simple model that meets the client's needs. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think having a uh, unique offering and as much as possible, having a unique skill set is going to help you get into uh, whatever freelance site uh, you're, you're doing, whatever you know site you're on, it's gonna help you stand out, get into the site and also get your first client. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Love it. Great advice. Um, we are really short on time, actually run out of time. So Wesley, I want to say a huge thank you for coming on the show, sharing your expertise and knowledge. And before I let you go, can you please share with us, with our listeners, where they can get in touch, connect with you? Maybe somebody's looking for some advice on their freelancing career and would love to have you as a mentor. Or maybe there's some companies that are listening and really urgently need a data scientist and uh, would love to fly you to, I don't know, Jamaica <laughs> or <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, uh, you can definitely check out my uh, website, um, www.mentoranalytics.com. There's a dash between the mentor analytics and analytics, so mentor-analytics.com. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find me um, on my Upwork profile as well. Uh, just Google my name there, uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, Mentor Analytics also has a LinkedIn uh, profile Fantastic. Uh, page. Uh, so I'm you know, happy to be found on any of those uh, sources. 
All right. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Wesley, for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, lots of knowledge bombs. I can't believe how fast this hour flew by. Thank you so much. I'm sure lots of people will get value out of it. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was Wesley Angers, a top-rated data scientist on the most popular marketplace for freelancers called Upwork. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And my personal favorite takeaway was the whole notion that data science is recognized as one of the fastest growing and one of the most important areas in freelance work right now. That is a big statement that not only data science is important inside companies in-house uh, and as uh, consultants, uh, data science consultants are adding value to companies, but also that Upwork, the largest online marketplace for freelancers, recognizes data science as a very critical area of its offering. That speaks volumes. That means that there's huge opportunities for those of us who want to be uh, freelancers, who want to engage in freelance work, whether it's as, as a uh, career choice and full-time uh, work, or whether it's a part-time thing that you might want to do on the side while you're pursuing other passions, other uh, areas of your career, the opportunity is there. And then that's important because it's, if, as long as the opportunity is there, then it's our choice whether to take it or not. And uh, of course, a very huge thank you to Wesley for sharing all his skills and knowledge on this podcast and uh, giving us some insights into what it's like to be a data science freelancer. If you want to follow up with Wesley and connect with him, whether it's to learn more and ask him more questions or whether it's to hire him for a project, you can find all of the links to his uh, LinkedIn and website and Upwork profile, which I highly recommend checking out. Even if uh, you are like if you're starting out in freelancing or even if you're just considering it highly recommend checking out Wesley's uh, profile on Upwork so all of those links will be available at the show notes which are at superdatascience.com slash 323 that's superdatascience.com slash 323 and that's also the link that you can send to any of your friends or colleagues who are considering becoming data science freelancers or who are already doing data science freelancing uh, and need a bit of a boost or some tips and hacks to get better at it, uh, just send them the link, superdaysense.com slash 323 and help them grow their careers as well. And on that note, thank you so much once again for being here today. Really appreciate your time and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I look forward to seeing you back here next time. Until then, happy analyzing. <laughs>